are listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number 112. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I am Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. Brandon, how are you holding up during the, these days of quarantine? Jimmy, you might not know this about me, but I'm a pretty introverted person. So, uh, in these in these times, so you're you're all good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I uh, I feel for the people out there who this is harder for, yes. and obviously the people who are actually um, contracting coronavirus. But but for me personally, you know, I, I think I'm holding up about as well as I can. And uh, Jimmy, I just want to say how flawless you always execute the uh, the beginning of the podcast here. You know, no no mess ups, just always smooth, <laughs> easy, right into it. How dare you? Um, but yeah, it's a bad situation for not just the people that, as you mentioned, that have actually contracted this thing, but small business owners or just work for a restaurant or, you know, have, I mean, we're in total shutdown now. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs and it sucks. And um, the sooner that we get back up and running... Uh, in a safe way, of course, uh, the better that'll be for a lot of those people. But you and I are fortunate to, you know, basically work from home as is, We're kind of unaffected by this, at least in terms of our work lives. Uh, but yeah, our, our sympathies go out to, you know, our listeners that are, you know, affected by this a lot worse than, than we have been. For sure. And it's it's been nice to hear from the people who have been reading BGN, and I'm sure for you, Philly Voice, and also listening to BGN Radio here. Uh, the quadcast was a big hit with a lot of people. That was fun to do too. It was. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely do more of those. Uh, I asked people to tell us if you like that and then we could do more of them. We can do more of those for some of the really big stuff here. Maybe like do one, uh, maybe after the draft or something or before the draft and, and maybe like before the season starts, you know, like for special occasions, we'll break that out. We do have news. There was actually a flurry of activity on Saturday. We're, re- we're recording this on uh, Sunday morning. Um, First thing that we'll note is it's the end of an era, Brandon. Nelson Aguilar has signed, mm. or is going to sign, uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders, the Mike Mayock-led Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, contract details unknown yet, so we don't know what the comp pick, pick will be, uh, if and when that, that is, well, not if and when, but when that is released. Brandon, your favorite Nelson Aguilar moment of all time. Ah. Uh. Like, uh, unironically favorite? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think the easy one, and, the, and pretty much the correct answer, is the, was it the final drive? Uh, the Eagles' final touchdown drive in Super Bowl 52, mm-hmm. where he made some pretty important catches on that drive. Uh, and even really, I think, in that fourth quarter as a whole. Um, I mean, he was he was legitimately great that year, in 2017. He was, like, arguably the best slot receiver in the league. Even in the training camp after that, which is like really confused me because I think you'll probably agree with me. Didn't he look even better to you in training camp and that you know year? What? I actually think his 2018 season was good. I mean, I disagree. So like his number of drops were were down substantially from 2017 to 2018. He was obviously better in 2017 than he was in 2018 because he had uh, a lot of big plays. He had what eight touchdowns in 2017. So mm-hmm. you know that was clearly his best season. But I didn't think he was bad in 2018. In 2019, mm-hmm. he clearly was. See, now, as far as, you know, paying him, should they have paid him $9 million in 2019 based on his 2018 performance? No, I don't think right. he was really there. But uh, in 2019, obviously, we saw the, the worst of, of what he brought to the table, which was pretty much pretty much mirrored his first two seasons in the NFL. And people were kind of, people have really already written him off as a bust. Jimmy, I do these stay or go polls on bleedinggreennation.com. <laughs> I noted mine in my article. <laughs> yeah, same. Because for most players, uh, it seems like even the players that seem like obvious they, they're going to be gone or should be gone, there's usually, you know, some kind of small sentiment, you know, maybe a... Sam Bradford had a lot of supporters even on his way out the door, which was crazy right. to me. Almost any player will have, you know, their own little camp of people that still yes. like, like that player and think they should be back. Nelson Aguilar, 98% go with almost like 11,000 people voting in the poll. Yeah, he that did is, not have that same support as other guys. I, I think it's clear that like this is best for him, personally. Like, his career, like this is the best move for him. Get away. Start fresh. The Eagles obviously just needed to move on. They need So, so looking at it from uh, moving forward, Jimmy, 
Well, first of all, I think that we should take a moment to say the 2015 NFL draft class, uh, Chip Kelly's only draft class with the Eagles, is gone completely yeah. now, finally. And uh, the other thing is, who is the slot receiver moving forward? Uh, to be determined. I mean, right now you'd pencil in Greg Ward. Real quick, uh, on the stay or go, mine was a little lower than yours. Uh, mine was 96.35 or something like that. Was he the lowest uh, on yours, or did that go yeah. to Ronald Darby? Uh, I think I think Aguilar beat out Darby. Because Darby, I don't remember which which who which. I think Darby was worse on mine. They were both below five percent. <laughs> but yeah. slot receiver going forward, um, right now you would pencil in Greg Ward. I don't think that's the answer. I think Greg Ward is a nice player to have in camp, and you know if he can earn a roster spot again, then great. And he proved that he could step in and and you know be a, at least a competent receiver in the Eagles' offense at, at the end of the year, and kind of brought some energy to the table that they were missing when they were rolling guys like Alshon Jeffrey out there. Uh, so, you know, I think he's he's got a role on the team, but I would not settle for him, is the way I'd put it, as the slot receiver. I still think that that could be either addressed in free agency uh, or the draft uh, or a combination of both. But I don't think they can just say, hey, that's our slot receiver in 2020. I agree with that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it's kind of interesting, though, that they haven't uh, addressed the wide receiver position at all. Mm. So far in free agency, you know, they signed a defensive tackle uh, early on. They signed uh, a linebacker and a safety on Saturday, which we'll get to momentarily. And uh, obviously they made the trade for Darius Slay. So they have hit most of the, you know, the the biggest need areas, at least in terms of depth for a couple of those guys. Uh, Hargrave and, and Slay will obviously be starters. But they haven't just wide receiver at all, which really comes as a surprise to me so far. Maybe it shouldn't because... You know, the the logic behind, I mean, wide receivers really haven't come off the board much at all so far. They're starting to, as we saw uh, Emmanuel Sanders get signed. Uh, Nelson Aguilar obviously just got signed. Uh, Mari Cooper got signed a few days ago. That was obviously going to happen. But we haven't seen guys like uh, Bashad Perryman and um, uh, Robbie Anderson. Anderson. They're still available. Uh, so to be determined if the Eagles will make a move for either one of those two guys, or other guys like Demarcus Robinson or whatever, but it is you know they they do still have to address that spot if, 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 clearly in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of when you're looking at like what they've done so far this off season. It's kind of hard to like. And I guess we can get into this later, but like grading it, it's like okay, you still really need to address that wide receiver position in some fashion, and maybe they're being smart in the sense of. You know, if these guys like Perriman and Anderson aren't going off the market, maybe they kind of hang out there for a bit and you can get them cheaper than expected. You know, it yeah. seems like kind of a buyer's market there. Like, that's a good thing. And maybe the patience kind of is a smart thing to do. But then, like, okay, uh, but you better actually then follow through with that. Because, you know, I'm seeing this Adam Kaplan tweet come out this week about how the Eagles, like, really like what they have. Or, or they're really, you know, planning to go young at receiver. Yeah. You know, they're, like they're really banking on the draft and they're really, uh, you know, banking maybe on like J.J. Ortega Whiteside to step up. Like they can't do that. Like that's ridiculous to just right. be counting on the draft this year. Again, when there might not even be uh, a full off season of OTAs and, and like who knows even how long training camp will be and everything. Like it, it would be ridiculous. It'd be ridiculous to begin with, even if it was a normal off season and you're just banking on young players and like J- uh, Jay Jaw should not be like any kind of answer or solution in their minds. Like he he had such a bad rookie season historically. Like there's no precedent for players or very little precedent at best for like that kind of player struggling to then become like a really good player. Like you can't count on that. That would be malpractice. Um. And so yeah, the wide receiver position is definitely uh like I guess I'm not surprised they haven't spent big money there. Like I I think. Did you agree with that going into free agency? I, I think we both had kind of said, like, I don't think we expect them to spend, like, huge money in that position because we, we expected them to spend it more at, like, cornerback or, or uh, elsewhere. So I thought they surprised. needed at least a starter in free yeah, agency. Yeah, so, like, I, I thought the big money was going to go to the cornerback position, which is where it did go. Um, yes. But I, I, and secondarily, I thought it would be wide receiver thereafter. But I didn't think they were going to shell out huge money for Amari Cooper, for example. But yeah. certainly, like, uh, a number two type receiver, I thought they were going to have to pay somebody like that. Hmm. And then we'll see, I guess, still if they do that. And the reason why these guys aren't coming out, coming off the board in free agency is because, you know, the 2020 draft is projected to have an incredible wide receiver class. So, 
uh, that's part of the reason why some of these guys are, are you know, maybe seeing their uh, the teams are waiting them out for their price to come down. And actually, that's how the Eagles wound up with Jeffrey back in uh, 2017 to begin with was, you know, they they liked him, but they didn't like him so much that they were going to, you know, pay him a huge amount of money. And his price came down and he wound up signing him, signing him for, I think it was actually less than $10 million a year, right, if I recall? Just the one-year deal for a little bit less than ten, if I recall. So um, that that has happened in the past. Uh, it worked out for them, in the, you know, for a little while <laughs> until it mm. didn't this past year. Uh, but you know, we'll we'll see if uh, eventually somebody's price comes down to the point where the Eagles go. All right, we're buying now. What else? So we let's ask take a, So let's take a look at um, you know the two signings that they did make on Saturday. First, uh, you want to start with the linebacker. I think he's probably the more important player of the two, um, Jatavis Brown who has a chance to be the third linebacker in the, well, I don't know. Is, is, is he more important than Will Parks? It's probably debatable. But yeah. he's uh, he, he's in uh, likely penciled in. You can pencil him right now for you know one of the two uh, outside linebacker spots. Uh, I guess you'd pencil in TJ Edwards as sort of the uh, the mic. And mm-hmm. then uh, Nate Gary would, of course, be the, the first guy uh, as an outside linebacker. And then you bring in Jatavis Brown, really short player. He's actually sub 5'11". He's like 5'10", 3 fourths, I believe, uh, in 220-something pounds. So he's an undersized guy. Eagles you know, tend to bring in those kinds of guys at the linebacker spot. Uh, does have very good athletic measurables, specifically speed. Ran what, what, 4-4-4, was it? And then his 10-yard split was, was really impressive. So he's got some athletic ability. At a minimum, you kind of project him as you know a special teams contributor because of that athletic ability. You know, played for the Chargers. Was he a fifth-round pick, I think, in uh, 2016? Started a decent number of games there this past season, uh, but had a you know a, a very diminished role with the Chargers. So you know they were they're you know they're happy to let him go. I'm sure in free agency the Eagles sign him. Contract details unknown as of right now, but I think he'll have uh, at least some kind of role in this defense and then certainly on special teams. Well, Jimmy, when we did our mailbag podcast a couple of weeks ago, the first question that we were asked. I asked you, <laughs> yes, good friend of the podcast, Matt Daring. Yeah, um, was oh, wow. which, yeah, yes, uh, formerly on Twitter. Uh, who you know, which which bad linebacker or which whatever, <laughs> what, Corey whatever Nelson linebacker. He, who's the Corey Nelson linebacker this year? Yeah, and uh, it could be Jatavis Brown for all we know. Yeah, uh, I I like Brown's profile. Uh, he only turned twenty six in February, so you know, young. Um, he is very athletic, as you pointed out, 97 percentile, by the way, in the bench press too. So not only is he, uh, I hadn't very seen fast, yeah, he's got the short arm, so that makes sense, but he's, uh, he's strong too. So yeah. that's cool. Um, yeah, I think basically the way I look at it is that he's kind of like a Kamu replacement, right? Like, I think he kind of fits in that mold of a, uh, like, uh, Benjamin Solak was talking about how he was kind of like a box safety slash weak side linebacker mm. hybrid for, yeah. uh, Akron, which, uh, that's that's Jim Schwartz's mold. I like he's talked about that before, just f- philosophically. Like he wants linebackers who are kind of like safeties almost. That's what big areas coming out of college. Yeah. Yeah. And same thing with Kamu. Like Kamu did that too at Eastern Illinois. So uh, he's just like that kind of player who can help on special teams. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing I'm not really expecting him to have like a full time role on defense. Although you know maybe if he excels and kind of uh, like flashes like Kamu did in training camp last year before he get hurt, maybe there's an opportunity for a bigger role. Uh, It sounds like he kind of lost playing time last year in Los Angeles because the Chargers signed uh, Thomas Davis. So they kind of just seemed to go with a more veteran option there. And I think Brown has had some some injuries too. Nothing uh, incredibly major, but he's had some issues over his career. So maybe they kind of felt like he wasn't super reliable. Yeah, it seems like a pretty decent bet to make as far as like upside goes here and everything. But, you know, you do have to consider (laughs) this team's track record uh, with linebacker evaluation uh, or management, or both, over the past couple of years, when you know they signed Corey Nelson on the first day to a contract with guaranteed money, he doesn't even make the fifty-three man roster. They signed LJ Fort; he looked good in the preseason, yeah. but didn't play a single defensive snap. And they cut him, and then obviously he played well for the Ravens, and they gave him a contract extension. And then they also signed Zach Brown last year over Jamie Collins, which was clearly the wrong decision. <laughs> right? You know, I'm not penciling; I'm not carving it in stone like that. Jatavius Brown is going to make the fifty-three man roster. I would. I would guess he does, but like it's, I guess it's not a lock when you look at the history. We got to see the contract numbers on that first too. Yes, but the one, the one thing that I think we have to look at going forward now is what is T.J. Edwards because I think mm. the team really. It's, it's, I think their their actions would show that the team really likes him. 
Um, you know, they they could have brought in some sort of like middle linebacker, uh, like a like a Nick Wyckowski, for example. Edwards did have a high number of tackles for the amount of snaps that he played last year. So I think going forward, that's a guy that we need to kind of double back and look at, like you know, actually what he did in, in the 2019 season and and sort of try to understand what the Eagles uh, seem to really like about him. I mean, I, I when just in my um, anecdotal um, you know mentions of him from his 2019 season was that he looked you know like a legitimate NFL linebacker. But you want to put you want to make you know you. you Relying on him to be your starter in 2020 is, uh, you know, certainly a dicey proposition. But you know, I think it's it's worth doubling back and taking a, a harder look at him at some point and uh, kind of trying to see what the Eagles see in him. Yeah, I think it was it was either Doug or Howie that kind of mentioned him right at the combine. I think they kind of pointed out like they singled him out or after the season, so they do seem to kind of like him a little bit. Um, Jimmy, for whatever it's worth, which might not be very much, T.J. Edwards, your eighth graded linebacker. From Pro Football Focus oh, last year, <laughs> uh, yeah, they they thought he did really good in run defense, though it wasn't so good in coverage. So yeah, kind of a concern. But in co- coverage was actually sort of uh, one of his, uh, you know, more highly touted traits coming out of college. Not necessarily like his speed or anything like that, which he lacks, but um, you know, sort of his recognition mm-hmm. in uh, zone coverage. He had a lot of pass breakups. I think he had like four interceptions or something his last year. Uh, I know he had a decent number of interceptions. Some of the catches that he made on those interceptions were impressive. So he's a guy that I actually profiled during the season as sort of a uh, later round linebacker, and they wound up getting him as an undrafted free agent. I think that, like if they had drafted him in the fifth round of that year instead of Clay- Clayton Thorson, and they had gotten Clay- Clayton Thorson as uh, as an undrafted free agent, nobody would have batted an eye at it by the you know, because they took Thorson in the fifth round. Uh, obviously, that was a, a horrible pick. But it, if it had been reversed, I don't think anyone would have cared. Nobody would have said anything about T.J. Edwards being a bad fifth-round pick. All right, Jimmy. So what is going on in the Eagles secondary here? Because the Eagles sign Philly Will. Uh, yeah. Will Parks, Philadelphia native, went to Germantown uh, High School. He is 26. Sort of a safety corner hybrid type. Turns 26 in July, actually. Sorry, he's 25. Yes, he, he's played like a number of... He's worn a number of different hats, if you will, on the Broncos. Kind of Hopefully played, not a MAGA hat. Uh, well, oh, God. <laughs> he's played safety. He's played like uh, some slot cornerback, especially more so last year. Uh, the when Looking over at our friends from Mile High Report, the Denver Broncos SB Nation blog, um, they think pretty highly of him. Um, they they talked about kind of wanting to keep him. I guess part of the thing there was obviously they drafted Justin Simmons in the same draft class, and obviously that was kind of more of their priority. Um, Parks, it wasn't like that they had a need, and um, they didn't keep Parks. So it was kind of like just the need wasn't there so much. So he's kind of like one of those guys who falls in the cracks. Um, he's been pretty relatively productive, you know, 149 tackles, 13 passes defense, four interceptions, uh, two forced fumbles, and one sack in 15 starts over 62 games played so he's only missed two games in his entire career relatively durable our good friend and former bgn radio co-host slash bgn writer mike k talked about how uh parks turned down money elsewhere to play for his hometown eagles so eagles fans can like that uh i guess the interesting thing to me jimmy is will parks be a safety will parks be a nickel cornerback and do you like those puns I would, yes, I do like the puns, uh, but I think I would pencil him in as the number three safety, and I like that mm-hmm. they went young with, at that spot this year. You know, in the past, they you know, last year, they that guy was Andrew Sandeo, and then the two years before that, it was uh, uh, Corey Graham. Corey Graham made sense the first year they did, th- they did that, the second year, not as much, uh, but I like that they're going a little bit younger at that spot this year, where they can kind of grow with a guy, and, you know, if he can sort of... Um, outproduce expectations you know maybe he comes he becomes your starting safety safety at some point but i'll put him as the number three especially with the contract that he signed he only got 1.6 million which uh according to over the cap.com uh doesn't even uh isn't even enough to qualify him toward the comp pick formula so that's the uh the level of contract that he signed so i would put him as the number three corner i don't think you'd count on him to be um i'm sorry number three safety i don't think you'd count on him to be to be a corner at this point um what do you think? Uh, philosophically, like this is the player the Eagles should be going after in free agency. Like he's young, he's versatile, yes. he's productive, he's durable. Again, only two missed games. He can also probably slash will probably help out on special teams. 
uh, into playing in addition to playing like a rotational role on defense. So I, this is the exact kind of profile I think the Eagles should be going after. And really, like, yeah, like you said, on the age factor with Sandejo and Corey Graham, like this is an opportunity to get younger. And they did. So I give Howie Roseman credit there for, for doing that. I think looking at the secondary in like a bigger picture kind of deal here, uh, it's interesting to me to think like where all of these guys are going to line up. And I almost wonder like, are they really even going to have set spots as much as, you know, traditionally they have in the past and other teams would, you know, I think they're kind of almost trying to build like this amoeba defense in a little bit in a way like where they can have with the front seven, not the back seven. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a smart idea. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, I think uh, it makes sense on some levels, but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. You really got to, like, the, the players, the quote-unquote versatile players that you have, they really better be genuinely versatile to mm-hmm. be able to do everything well. Because if you have guys playing spots, you know, if you have guys playing too many spots and there's, you know, some spots that they don't play as well as others, they're going to get attacked mm-hmm. and they're going to get beat. So, yeah, I don't know if I fully buy the uh, back seven amoeba look. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you mean you don't buy it as, like, something effective? but or, I don't buy it some... as, a, as a great idea. Right, yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, think you really have to have – I buy it as a good idea if you have the personnel to pull it off, but I don't know that they yeah. have that. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I think it's interesting to think about at least. Like, I definitely think it's at least possible with the way they're going because it's like where – it's just – there's a lot of – it seems like there's a billion slot corners on the team like or guys who at least can <laughs> yeah. play in the slot. Right. Um, and it's just like it's a weird uh, – and then Jalen Mills is like going to be, you know, like the old Malcolm Jenkins role. I've seen Spadero now mention that twice in articles. So, again – like, I think that's something, like, they're definitely considering, like, using Mills as, like, that quasi-linebacker um, slash safety slash maybe he plays some cornerback, too. Who knows? Because um, yeah. they, they still don't really have a clear answer on the outside of who was going to be starting opposite of Darius Slay. Um, who knows? I, I also saw Spadero give some credence to that. It actually could be Maddox on the outside. So, and then, like, Strap, Craven LeBlanc uh, in the slot. So, they have a lot of different options. Um I guess that's better than having fewer options or no options, but uh, I don't know. That's that's a that's a configuration they're going to have to figure out. If, if, they, didn't make another, if they didn't make another single move at all in the secondary, I would have it as Slay cornerback one, obviously Maddox cornerback two, LeBlanc slot corner, Mills and McLeod as the starting safeties, and then Parks as the number three. Who do you have as the other guy opposite of Slay? I have Maddox as my number two right now. Okay. Yeah, it might be. Before we take a break, let's should we? Or I guess we can do this after the break. After the break, we'll come back and uh, we'll discuss a little more secondary talk with uh, Razul Douglas. Uh, rumors that he's that the Eagles are trying to trade him, and of course, uh, Malcolm Jenkins wrote a very good piece about his leaving Philly and his love for Philly. Brandon, back after this. Back here on BGN Radio One One Two Hundred and Twelve. Jimmy, getting into the secondary. Where we left off here, Razul Douglas, according to Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, is the Eagles are shopping him. <laughs> right? Are you shocked? I think shopping is a funny word for that, as if like you know teams are lining up to to trade for him. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, no, not at all. I mean that's the, that was a pretty obvious thing to kind of foresee the Eagles doing uh, as soon as the season ended. I mean, again, we've mentioned this several times, but every time his name comes up, we mention this him or him or Sidney Jones is that neither of those guys played a single snap. In the regular defense, in the Eagles playoff game against the Seahawks, it's especially telling for a guy like Douglas, in my opinion, seeing as he's 6'2", 209, and the Seahawks employ a 6'4", 229-pound DK Metcalf, who, you know, Razul would seemingly be, you know, that's the guy that you want him matching up against, but they went with the 5'9", 170-something pound soaking wet Avante Maddox to cover him at times in that game over Razul. So does not did not speak very well toward uh, the Eagles' confidence in Razul uh, heading into that playoff game. Razul kind of had like he's had an interesting career, like you know when he's filled in at times as a starter for the Eagles' oft injured starting corners. He, you know, first two years did reasonably well. You know, for a backup, twenty nineteen just awful. I mean, he proved like repeatedly over and over again that he can't stick with the NFL's faster receivers and was just getting toasted over the top. I think his uh, quarterback rating, according to uh, Pro Football Reference, 
uh, opposing quarterback pack rating, that, that is, uh, when targeted was like 115, which mm-hmm. is pretty much in line with the NFL's best quarterback. So it's basically, it's like the best quarterback in the league attacking him whenever they, uh, whenever they went his way. So he, you know, they weren't going to give him some kind of, um, you know, starting role or some kind of important role this season. And you mentioned, I saw, uh, I was tipped off to, you know, his salary in, uh, in uh, 2020 hmm. by an article that you wrote when that originally came out. I had noticed that, but I guess playing time incentives uh, sort of bumped up his, you know, not, not his, playing time bonuses uh, bumped his salary up in 2020 to over $2 million. So yeah. if they can't trade him, I don't see them paying that. It's either trade him or release him because they're not going to keep him on that number. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think people out there like Rizzle Douglas, and I get it. I, I think Rizzle's a likable guy. He's he seems he's kind of like goofy. He's kind of funny. He's a lot of swag. Um, he's he has had some good moments in terms of making big plays off the bench. I must kind of think of him as like a big V level of cornerback in that like uh, you don't want him starting ideally, but he can come yeah. in off the bench and kind of or if he has to make some spot starts, like you can kind of get by with him sometimes, not like full time. It's a, not the ideal full time solution, but he can kind of like he can play a little bit. He's not like a I, I don't think he's a non NFL player. Like I think he's an, an NFL backup is what he I has think some he nice is. traits like ball skills, yeah. size, and he's a very good tackler. But again, it's just the speed is the uh, is really the Achilles heel there. And he's only 24 years old. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just don't. So if you're, if you're making the case for Russell Douglas to stay as a backup, but like the way I put it is, do you really need a backup cornerback? Like accounting for the 18th highest cap hit on the team <laughs> when right. you don't believe in that guy, like as a long-term piece, clearly he's on the last year of his deal and he doesn't offer like position versatility at all. And save me the little move result of Douglas to safety <laughs> thing, because like you can't just do that with any corner who isn't fast enough or isn't good enough. And like, that's a magical fix. And that's the answer. Like that doesn't, work and even if that was i mean they're already doing that with mills so they're not going to do it with result so yeah, yeah I, I think they should trade him uh for pretty much i guess whatever they kind of get for him yeah, yeah it, doesn't, like, it doesn't matter you're not getting like any extra cap savings by trading him or releasing him but if you can get some i think what so like uh 2.1 million <laughs> excuse me greg richards um uh, made the uh, uh made the astute point in my opinion that you know while you're not going to get a draft pick maybe uh for him what you can do is trade him for another uh, mm-hmm. player out there in the, in the same situation. Like that's, uh, you know, heading into his fourth year in the NFL and received sort of that uh, playing time salary bump that another team might not want to pay them. But, you know, you might have use for him in your scheme, whereas Rizul just isn't going to work in the Eagles scheme. I think like back in the days of the Tampa 2, like that was like, that would have been like a good role for him where he could have just been like one of those squatting corners. Because he does have the ball skills and the uh, and the tackling and the size and whatnot, and he'd be a good fit in that role. And I think because of those those traits, the, the three the, those three that I mentioned twice now, people see those as you know appealing traits for a safety. But in the Eagles' scheme, safeties are covering slot receivers, and they're often tasked with um, uh, you know sort of playing that single high, you know deep middle role. And he can't do either of those things, in my opinion. He's not fast enough to, to roam sideline to sideline in that you know single high look and you know just isn't, um, I guess, agile in, in short areas enough to cover those you know, shifty or slot receivers. So, again, I, I'm with you that, that he's not going to be a safety. has never played safety either in the NFL. He played one game he had to fill in because they were just so banged up in the secondary. But other than that, he's never played safety in the NFL, never played safety at West Virginia. I guess he played safety uh, on a small level when he was in uh, community college before he went to West Virginia, but it's just not in his background in any way. And I don't think he's a good fit there either. Jimmy, there are three keys to winning the Super Bowl every year. Do you want to know what they are? Let's hear it. One, just run the ball more. Because you just <laughs> run the ball more, you automatically win. That's true. I two, agree there. One. All right. Two, blitz more. Because if oh, you blitz yes, more, you also course. win. <laughs> right. And three, you just move every cornerback you have that isn't good at cornerback to safety, and then boom, it's all solved. It's that simple. Done. You just have to do those very simple Dang. things. Dang. Write um, an article about that. I, I wrote a tweet about it. Um, <laughs> okay. On a serious note, how I, many I people guess, thought like, you were a villain? How many people thought you were serious? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I guess no one, because I was responding to Solar. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, uh, so the Jets, I guess, because of Joe Douglas, and the Lions, because of Corey Unlin. Potentially could be T. 
teams um, that could be interested in Douglas if he either gets cut or traded. So I guess we can. You know, I don't think the Lions are going to be interested in him because if they were, he probably would have been included in the Slade trade. I was thinking that too. And also because they didn't necessarily play Rizzol. So maybe Corey Unlin was uh, in that. But, <laughs> right, but, not a fan. <laughs> but if he gets cut, though, you know, you never know. They might just sure, change on him sure, sure. familiarity. So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that the writing is on the raw wall for Douglas. And by connection here, I want to say that this seems to bode well, I think, for Sidney Jones. His chance of uh, of making the team at, at the very least. Or at least, like, I, I think the Eagles definitely want to move on from Douglas. And I think they're they're willing to keep Jones. I don't think, like, Jones is... Uh, this unmovable piece. I'm not saying that, but I'm I'm thinking they want to keep Sydney. He's younger, uh, as you've pointed out. Like he's going to be a restricted free agent after this season, whereas Russell Douglas would be an unrestricted free agent. So, I think uh, that was my other takeaway from that report is that they're I think they're going to get rid of Douglas, and I think they're going to keep Jones. Jones can just be the guy that you put in for the final play of the game. Yeah, he's good. He's like yeah. like a closing pitcher in baseball. He's like Mariano. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else, Jimmy? So uh, let's stay with some more with the secondary, because as we mentioned before the break, uh, Malcolm Jenkins put out a heartfelt, uh, long, uh, I guess, letter, article, whatever you want to call it, for the Players' Tribune, uh, stating his love for Philadelphia. And the biggest takeaway, in my view on that, was that he did not want to leave. And he he said that the idea that he wanted to make it absurd, uh, more amount of money than, than, and we already knew this based on what he signed for. And the quickness with which he signed for it in uh, New Orleans was not a, a big raise. It was a very modest raise and just a couple guaranteed years. And kind of uh, back my point that uh, I just think the Eagles didn't want him. And uh, I think that he kind of feels that way too. So uh, that was my biggest takeaway. Did you have any other takeaways on that? No, that was mine too. I mean, a lot of people I think were uh, upset or kind of like, oh, he's talking about legacy. He just wanted more money. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't see it that way. Yeah, especially when you look at the deal he took with the Saints. Yeah. I think that when Malcolm uh, in January said that he wasn't going to play on his current deal, I think when that came out, the Eagles were like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> the, the blowback on getting rid of him won't be as bad. It's a bummer that he's gone, just in a lot of ways. I know we kind of already covered this last week, but it's just so it's it's so hard to, like I think, properly uh, understand – uh, how much how how much value he had? Like just thinking back, there's things you forget. Like I think you might forget that when the Eagles were down what like seventeen to three in 2018 against the Giants, and their season was pretty much on the brink. Yeah. Uh, that Malcolm Jenkins tells uh, Jim Schwartz to simplify the defense, and then Malcolm Jenkins picks off Eli Manning, and that sparks the big comeback, and obviously the Eagles, uh, you know, go on a playoff run in 2018. Um, like he's been there. I think back to when the Eagles season was on the brink, potentially after they lose their MVP caliber quarterback in Los Angeles and who was in the locker room speaking after the game being like, like, no guys, like we're going to, we're going to do this still. Like the show goes on. Like Malcolm yeah. Jenkins was there. Like, who is that guy going to be now? Like you, maybe it's Jalen Mills, but like, does he really have the credibility to do that? Like, I don't know. Like, so it's, it's just, it's a huge, it's a huge deal to lose him. I just, I don't think we can understate that, like how big of a loss it is talent wise and in the locker room and, and everything that goes with that. John Clark put out that article too, mm-hmm. saying that, um, you know, he <laughs> maybe wanted to clear him out to sort of open the door for Carson Wentz to become sort of that you know, full team leader as opposed to just the leader of the offense. And uh, with Malcolm Jenkins moving on and uh, Jason Peters likely doing the same, the, that door is wide open for Wentz to be that guy. I don't know if you get rid of a player to do that. I don't know if I really buy that um, that that uh, thinking. But uh, interesting that, that John did put that out there. Uh, he does have, um, you know, he does get good info from, from you know, the Eagles perspective. So, um I don't know. At a minimum, it was, it was certainly a, an interesting piece to read. I don't think that's him throwing crap against the wall. That, by the right, way. agreed. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some no, people... no, John, John is good. John is uh, and... like a legitimate reporter for sure. But he also he's not like a writer. Like he doesn't write no. super often. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. So like, why is he just randomly like putting up this <laughs> right. column, like just to like you know like pontificate on why the Eagles got rid of Malcolm Jenkins? Like that doesn't really like the vibe there that's not the vibe i got the vibe i got even though he didn't like directly quote sources or anything was that you know he's hearing things he's he's definitely getting getting a sentiment from somewhere yes uh 
And yeah, I don't, I don't love that to be honest. Like no, that seems like of course a, not. <laughs> a pretty BS reason to get rid of someone. Yes. Um, yes. But I will say, on the other leadership side, is too good. <laughs> yeah, get him out of here. Uh, I will say there is something to the Carson Wentz part. Like there is something to that dynamic, like that side of it. Of I think we that was a legitimate takeaway from down the stretch last year. Like the team rallied around Carson Wentz. Like I. Just seeing the body language being body language doctor right now, like seeing you know Carson go up to Miles Sanders, you know after like touchdowns late in the season, or even Greg Ward, and like it seemed like they looked up to Carson, you know, like and they really respected him, and and they were playing for him, like that yes. was such a big deal. After earlier in the season, you have guys like Alshon and Aguilar who sometimes you would question like how much are they really playing for Carson Wentz when um you, you know you're just you're like you're seeing uh. Like Alshon maybe go out of bounds in Minnesota. Maybe that was because he tripped or whatever. But uh, you know, yeah, it's, very it's underrated, a, terrible play this year, by the way. Oh yeah, and <laughs> oh my god, that was a whole thing. On uh, Michael Kiss was arguing with uh, Seth Joyner about that. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I think there's something to the Carson element or Carson Wentz dynamic element to of of John Clark's report there, but it, not a, not a legitimate reason to get rid of Malcolm Jenkins. Agreed. So what else we got? Um, I guess now with, you know, we mentioned, uh, you know, that filling the needs in terms of depth at, at linebacker and safety and then finding a couple stars at corner and defensive tackle and work to be done still at wide receiver. Where would your, and again, still work to do, not over yet, but where would your sort of preliminary grade be on the Eagles free agency so far? I mean, if I'm accounting for the fact that they haven't done anything at wide receiver and I'm not just like dismissing that, I mean, I have to give them like a C minus. Like, how could I potentially give them anything? Like, how could I get to like a B or something when you haven't addressed to me what is like the biggest need on this team, wide receiver, and specifically speed at wide receiver? Like, the, I think, and the other thing that I was kind of getting at on the, the quad pass we quad post the quad cast we did with <laughs> the quad pod, quad pod with. Uh, Michael Kist and Benjamin Solak was that like when I look at the Eagles offseason moves when I look at what Howie Roseman is doing I think some of the things make more sense in a vacuum than they do in like context as a whole now with saying that I do think the moves they made on Saturday like signing Will Parks signing Jatavis Brown those are the kind of good moves the team should be making like the kind of the reasonable bets Um, so I, I definitely like those um, and I, and I think they fit a bigger vision of getting younger. Uh, like that makes sense to me. But when I look at like the Hargrave signing again and the, the allocation of resources there, like I have questions about that. When I look at the Darius Slay trade and I think the birds with friends, by the way, did a really good job of breaking that down about why like that. I think a lot of Eagles fans think like the Slay move is just this no brainer slam dunk move. And I don't think it's that simple. I don't think no. you can just be like, oh, they got Darius Slay is awesome. Like, like that's Madden thinking to me, like, like there's because there's no consequence in Madden. You know what I mean? Like in terms of uh, like future assets and things like that, it's all very instant, more gratification. Um, and, and I think this, the Slay trade is more di- is more um, complicated than that. I think Slay's an awesome player. It's not about him so much as, like, will he continue to be an awesome player? Um, I also think when we were talking about uh, the the whole draft situation, like, that pick they gave up number – the third-round pick they gave up 85, like, that's kind of key. Would have been key to, like, trading up now. It's not that they can't trade up to get a wide receiver – uh, but like it, it definitely hurt their ability to do that. So there's there's a lot of like con- uh, like other consequences to moves they make here, and uh, I just you know I, I think there's a lot to consider when you look at the context of the big picture here. What about you? So uh, I would say the the Hargrave uh, signing is fine. I would say that the acquisitions of the linebacker and the safety fine. Whatever uh, the decision ultimately, although we kind of got a window into what their uh, apprehension there was, but their decision to let Jason Peters go in free agency, assuming that he will sign somewhere else. By the way, I want to come back to that. Uh, did you see the Lewis Riddick tweet about him? Yeah, that he could play like uh, right tackle for the Buccaneers. Yeah, we'll come back to that in a minute. I thought okay. that was ridiculous. But <laughs> anyway, uh, the decision to, to let him go, assuming they do, good. But uh, I would assign, I and mean, this is easier for me to say than, this is, this is, from my perspective, very easy to say, but I would have. I was overpaid a little bit for Byron Jones instead of trading a, th- a three and a five for, for Darius Slay. So I don't think that was a good move. And I think that 
Malcolm Jenkins, allowing Malcolm Jenkins to to not only leave but you know predictably sign in New Orleans is going to bite them in the ass. So I go probably, uh, I'd probably go see C minus somewhere around there as well mm-hmm. with uh, the potential for improvement, uh, depending on what they do in uh, in free agency at the wide receiver position. Which hey, maybe that'll all work out and that'll wind up being a, a pretty slick move by them waiting it out and, and getting like a Robbie Anderson or a Rashad Perryman at a, at a yep. discounted rate instead of getting one of those guys on, on day one or two or free agency. So, you know, a little time to, to let it play out. And, uh, but I, you know what, I'll go see with the uh, potential of that dropping lower uh, if they don't address the wide receiver position and higher if they do. And here's the problem with that RC grades, Jimmy, like this is, this has been my argument about Howie Roseman, like outside of the Super Bowl year, 2017, where he was excellent and even some good signings in 2016. But on the whole, like when you look at, I'm always, I, I've used the word like big picture a million times in the past week or whatever. I'm just the big picture guy, I guess. But when you look at like his whole career, the problem isn't that Howie Roseman has been bad. Like I don't think, you know, if you're a Howie Roseman detractor, I don't think you can say he's been flat out bad. I think the problem is he's been incredibly average. Like when you look at the Eagles record since the Super Bowl, it's close to 500. When you look at Howie Roseman's record overall, when you subtract the Super Bowl year, which again is a flawed way to evaluate it in the sense of that year counts, but um, if you if you're assuming that's an anomaly and you're looking at the rest of the body work, like he's more he trends towards being average, and I just think like this is kind of an average off season because you have a slay move that could be really good, but you know then there's the downside of okay you're letting Malcolm Jenkins go, so I I, I think what I'm trying to say here is like Harry Roseman needed to kill this off season. Like he needed to like, you know, knock it out of the park and not, I'm not talking about like win the off season thing that we mocked before. I'm talking about like, actually just like, like kind of having that 2017 off season, which is hard to do admittedly, but I think he needed to come in and have like a really strong off season. And I'm not saying he can't have that. Like there's still potential with the wide receiver thing and the draft and everything. But to me, like he hasn't knocked it out of the park the way things are going just yet. And that kind of like, gives me some kind of concern okay they're going to be a good team next year but are they going to be like an elite team because that's that's what the goal should be they, they should be one of the elite teams in the nfl i think when you look at the chiefs the ravens like these top front offices in the league like they have like elite off seasons and that puts them in position to be like some of the elite teams regularly in the league each year and i just wonder if the eagles are that good or they're kind of just more a little bit more average so jp <laughs> did yes. you did you see that the uh Lewis Riddick, uh, I wouldn't call it a report, but just sort of him saying, hey, Austria. this makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, he and uh, the Bucks general manager, Jason Light, are both former, uh, you know, Eagles front office guys. Um, they don't have any overlap. In fact, they just missed each other by, by a year. But they're both noted uh, Howie haters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Uh, um, they do have some uh, common ground there. Maybe they're friends, maybe they're not. I have no idea. But uh, there is reason to believe that I guess he would have insight into uh, Jason Light's thinking on that. Jason Light obviously around when, uh, or was he? No, I guess not. I guess there's no uh, overlap with him and JP either. But, um, uh, you know, I guess it was noted that, but Lewis Wright thought that uh, Jason Peters could be the Buccaneers' new right tackle, which, which to him, he's like, that makes a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> when does he play right tackle? I don't even yeah. play right tackle ever with the Eagles, and he's been with the Eagles for what twelve years. So you're you're going to ask a, a thirty eight year old player to just to just move from one position he's played his entire life to the completely other side of the line and expect that he's going to be fine? And they have the fourteenth overall pick in the draft in a loaded, you know, top level offensive tackle draft. Just draft a guy and put him in there. I will believe Jason Peters playing any position but left tackle until I see it happen. And the other thing I'll add is that when we're talking about, like, they got rid of Jason Peters, I'm not ready to say that yet still. I'm not ready to, like, until he actually signed another team, I am. there's at least yeah. a small ch- chance in my mind, like a small percentage at the very least, that he could be back. So yes. I just want to put that out there. Okay. Uh, you got anything else? I want to take a break and then do, like, uh, or, oh, or yeah. a wrap here. Yeah, no, let's take a break, and then we'll come back, and uh, we'll just take a, a quick peek at, uh, you know, I guess uh, what all the other uh, teams in the Eagles division, the NFC East, are, have done so far, and we'll, we'll, we'll start that look with uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Brandon? Back after this. 
back here for our final segment on BGN Radio, episode 112. If you like this podcast, consider going to iTunes. Leave a rating. Five stars. Leave a review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Uh, support the podcast. It's free, so why not support it? Uh, Jimmy. Yes. For our final segment, uh, as we wrap up here, you're the NFC East master, of course, because you know you used to write about the NFC East <laughs> for <Thank> bloggingthebeast.com <laughs> and bleedinggreennation.com back in the day. That's even true. Before yes. that. Yeah. Uh, so what do you make of the Cowboys offseason that they are having so far? Well, they've lost a lot of guys <laughs> to begin with. Um, you know, they, they obviously franchise tag Dak Prescott. We could probably do a good 10 minutes on that. So we won't get into all that. They, they were able to resign Amari Cooper for $20 million a year. I actually thought they did okay there, given the circumstances. Um, they should have resigned him. They should have, you know, made him a bigger priority the year before than they did with guys like Jalen Smith and Ezekiel Elliott and Lyle Collins. Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper should have been the guys that we're signing new, you know, contract extensions last year. And those other three guys should have been the ones that they're, they're worrying about now, you know? <laughs> so like they kind of got that backwards, but they lost Byron Jones. They lost uh, Robert Quinn, who was the most productive pass rusher a season ago. They lost Randall Cobb, who by the way, had like a really good year last year. Like he had like mm-hmm. 15 yards per catch on uh, like 50 something catches for uh, like 800 something yards which is awesome for a slot receiver. Like you don't really see slot receivers averaging, you know, 15 plus yards per catch and they haven't adequately replaced him yet. They lost uh, a guy they drafted in, I believe the third round four years ago who turned out to be a decent player in Malik Collins. He's been a starter defensive tackle for them for a while. Uh, I don't know how they're ever going to replace the locker room leadership of Jason Witten mm. getting on that, but he's now gone. He went to the Raiders. They lost Jeff Heath. Uh, not a big loss there. He was a horrendous tackler. They replaced him with another horrendous tackler in uh, in Haha Clinton Dix. I guess that's not a priority for those guys. <coughs> Excuse me. They lost uh, uh, backup guard Xavier, Xavier or Sua, Sua Xavier Filo. So yeah, I mean they have a lot of guys outgoing. They signed a, a bunch of their own guys back to you know shorter deals or whatever. But um, they they added Gerald McCoy as well, who will be on the interior of their line to replace Malik Collins. I'd personally rather have Malik Collins over Gerald McCoy. But Malik uh, Collins became more expensive, obviously, because he's, what, 24 years old or something like that. Gerald McCoy is now 32 or 33. Actually, he might, have, he might be 34. I don't know. But he's a, obviously an older player. Uh, so I think that, you know, for all the hand-wringing that, you know, we're all doing over the, uh, the Eagles free agency, Dallas Cowboys became a worse football team this offseason so far uh, to be determined what they do the rest of the way, to be determined what they do in the draft. But I think that when you look at the Eagles – and whether they're a worse team now or a better team now than they were a week ago, uh, that's debatable. But I think when you look at the Cowboys and if they're a better or worse team uh, compared to what they were a week ago, in my opinion, they're clearly not as good a team. I think the biggest thing has to be the deck issue. <laughs> like, yeah, this is kind of on the Kirk Cousins path of, you know, that <laughs> it is. Yes. They, they haven't been able to sign out this long-term extension. If Dak is smart, He'll play in the tag this year, and he'll do it again next year. Yes. And why not? He's making enough money from endorsements and everything, and he's he has reason to bet on himself given, you know, he hasn't really had an injury history. Like, just keep betting on yourself, dude. Like, keep make, like and, and wait. Like, why would he have any reason to sign a contract now when he knows Patrick Mahomes is going to get, like, some ridiculous mega yes. contract from the team? Like, just wait, dude. Like, just wait. And, and the longer that deal like takes to get done like the more the cowboys are hurt by that because you know like look the cba is going up and everything uh but still like they're gonna have to pay him meaning Dak, like a, a lot more money than ideally they should and and would have had to if, if they were actually able to kind of like do what the eagles have done to the eagles credit in some cases in the past and like get out in front of the market and and uh, sign guys to a deal that kind of looks at least reasonable, if not a bargain, kind of like the Eagles have done with Carson Wentz, like that kind of situation. So uh, messing up in that point from from the Cowboys. I think an interesting consider thing to consider with the NFCs as a whole, Jimmy, is that with this potentially shortened off season, the Eagles might be in a good spot because every other team in the division has a new yeah. coach and they're yeah. all implementing like new systems and everything. For sure. So. Uh, and you Dak might Dak might hold out and should hold out, not yes. hold out, but like not report until he until he has to playing. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me again, playing on the tag. Um, and when you when you look at the tag numbers, by the way, so like 
his well, first of all, going back to when the Eagles got a deal done with Wentz for roughly thirty-two million, and Goff got a deal with the Rams for thirty-two, thirty-three million, whatever it was. Um, you know, the Cowboys did not get a deal done with Dak, and that was fine in the short term, in that they paid him what like two or three million or something like that uh, last year, so they got one more year at an extremely uh, cheap rate. But it's time to pay the bill now, because now he's going to cost. So when the when the Eagles had that jump. And the Rams had that jump, you know, to thirty-two million. You know, those two guys were already making a decent amount of money on the rookie contracts because they went one and two overall. Whereas Dak went in the fourth round; he's making nothing. So, like the 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 jump for Wentz and Goff from what they were making then to now wasn't as drastic as going from like two million or three million to now it's thirty point one million on the tag. It's actually a little bit lower number than people were projecting. If they tag him again next year, it's one hundred twenty percent of that, which becomes thirty-six point two million. And then if they tag him again uh, the following year, it's 144% of the 2021 sa- uh, salary, which will become 52. Wow. <laughs> It'll become 52 million. And that's, of course, after Patrick Mahomes will have already been, this deal will already have been done, as you mentioned. So at some point, they got to pay the bill. And they haven't yet. And you're right. It is kind of looking like it's going toward that Kirk Cousins scenario, which you know, really didn't work out for anyone. <laughs> but, uh, Certainly not for uh, for Washington, uh, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a tricky situation that they're in. And uh, as you know, you have the new head coach, and he's probably Dak. I mean, I don't. I guess in in the past, like it's rare that this happens, but you know, a player might just kind of uh, show up in, in good faith. But I don't know why Dak Prescott would. I mean, he's, he he played for a very small salary. Not very small for you or me, but by NFL terms, but for a very small salary last year. And in my opinion, if I were him, I'd be looking to sort of make up for that, obviously, with uh, with, a, with a huge deal going forward. And there's no reason for the Cowboys to expect him to take less or guys like Emmett Smith for him to expect to for, you know, for anyone to expect him to take less than than what he has sort of earned in terms of this uh, leverage that he's gained by getting through last year with a decent season and staying healthy. And now, like I said, for the third time, got to pay the bill. Uh, one more thing on the Cowboys, and then I want to mention Zach Ertz, something about him, Jimmy. Uh, the last thing on the Cowboys is Ezekiel Elliott. How dumb must the Cowboys be feeling when you look at, like, Devonta Freeman getting cut by the Falcons, uh, you know, Todd Gurley getting cut by the Rams, yes. and Melvin Gordon, like, not finding good money that he wants to find? Like, how dumb, like, <laughs> how dumb do the Cowboys look? And the answer is very, uh, by, like, you know, like, paying Zeke all this money. And I think something that you've highlighted, but people should consider more, is, like, he's had so many touches. It's, like, what, yeah. like, 1,400? Uh, through four seasons so far, like he's going to crash and burn at some point, and they're yes. paying him big money. I saw someone on, I, I don't know who to credit for this, but I saw someone on Twitter put out that uh, in 2015, there were 23 running backs drafted. How many of those running backs are still with their current team, Brandon? Like, or I'm four? sorry, still with, still with the team that originally drafted them? Uh, like four? Correct answer is zero. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And that's just the year before Dak got, or not Dak, but well, Dak too. But yeah. it's the year before that Zeke got drafted. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Not a good idea to draft a running back in the top ten, or pay them pay huge money on their second contract. Especially <laughs> right, not, when they had two years. Not a good left. idea. Two, two strikes on that one. And also, he's like kind of a bad guy off the field. So that's a whole yeah. other story. But <laughs> but it's, a, it's like yeah. a trifecta of uh, stupidity. <laughs> not a great idea to build your to build your whole team around a running back. And you know what, like. Derrick Henry carried the Titans through a couple of games in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, well, we all knew that that wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and, you know, they and they they lost, and a team that throws the ball over the yard uh, won the Super Bowl. Speaking of paying a player with two years left on their contract, Jimmy, did you see this report from NFL Network's Michael Silver that the Zach Hurts, the Zach Hurts, turned down a contract extension from the Eagles during the season last year? Yeah, not surprising. I think that was kind of out there already, or at least uh, hinted toward. It, it wasn't out there like as a, the, as a you know full on report, but yeah, I think I forget who put it out there, but somebody somebody had you know strongly hinted that that had happened. Yeah, I mean, they, I guess I guess they were uh, <coughs> they were um, uh, likening it to the Austin Hooper deal, which I don't know why you compare Austin Hooper to Zach Ertz in any way. Like I, that, there's no comparison there. I don't know why that comparison was made, but. Uh, 
the offer was for more than what Austin Hooper got, which was apparently like, what do you get, like 11 a year or something like that? Yeah, second yeah, so, most. Well, so it's, it's just under that, but yeah, I think it's 10.5 or so. It wouldn't surprise me for Zach Ertz to, to turn that down, but at the same time, if you're the Eagles, why are you in a rush to give Zach Ertz some sort of crazy contract extension? What's the rush? He's under contract through 2021. You have his backup in Dallas Goddard ready. You know, I mean, there's no there's no real holes in Dallas Goddard's game. So you can feel good about him taking over as your top tight end. If Zach Ertz were to move on at some point or you trade him or whatever it would be. I'm not saying you, you, you I'm not saying you move on from Zach Ertz, but you have him under contract for two more years. What's the rush? Wait it out a little bit. What if he has some kind of like severe decline in play? He gets injured, whatever it may be. You got two years left with him. Who cares if he's mad if he doesn't get a new deal? He's getting he's been paid. He's been paid very well in his NFL career so far. What's the again? What's the rush? He turns thirty in November too. So <laughs> also like, that yes. Again, if you're signing him to an extension, <coughs> two years left. Like, how is this getting younger? Going back to the big picture thing. Like, how is that getting younger when literally you have his replacement who is younger than him and more affordable at least yeah. in the short term? Like, it, it's it's really weird. And I honestly get the sense like it's, it feels like it's going to happen, doesn't it? Like, doesn't it feel like I it's going it, to happen? I think it is going to happen, and it's going to be some crazy number. And I get, like, you don't want to have George Kittle get some absurd contract, and then you got to go over the top of that. But if that happens, then maybe just don't do that. But I'm not saying, mm-hmm. like, I'm not, not to diminish, like, what Ertz means to the team. Obviously, he's, he's Carson Wentz's favorite target, and he's a huge part of the offense. He's made a lot of big plays over the years, and he's very reliable. He's got good hands. He doesn't make many mistakes. But, again, there's no rush. He's, he's, on the, he's under contract for two more years. Yeah, the reason to pay someone early in like just generally speaking is because you know you're going to sign them anyway and like going back to the Cowboys thing with Dak Prescott like you know you're going to sign them anyway. So and what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz like so you just sign him to get ahead of the market. Like and that's you're, the you're idea. Right. The expectation is that you're getting some some level of discount. So if the Eagles did re-sign Zach Ertz, that tells you that they think it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to re-sign him anyway. So they're yes. rushing to do it so they can get ahead of Kittle or the new CBA exploding or whatever. But like the problem with that thinking again is you have Dallas Goddard in house. I think this whole <laughs> right. I think this whole thing is interesting. Like I think this whole dynamic is kind of a very interesting subplot that's kind of like on the back burner right now because there's a lot of other needs and issues that are being focused on. But I think this is going to be like a big thing at some point because how does Dallas Goddard feel, by the way, again, if <laughs> right. Zach Ertz is getting this big extension? You got to resign him Goddard, too, by the way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when, when he'll be eligible after this 2020 season. Yes. And he's already said, like in training camp last year, he said he feels like there are three tight ends better than him in the NFL. And yes. he wasn't like... Just, you know, like he was, he meant that. Like he, yeah, he said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was did. speaking truthfully. He wasn't even trying to like be incendiary. Like I think he just was just speaking his mind. So he thinks very highly of himself, clearly, as he should. He's a good player. He's a good player. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I think this is kind of like a sleeping giant in a way of like an issue for this team or, or a big uh, thing to, to watch moving forward. And at the time, Gronk was still in the league. So he was referring to Gronk, Kittle, and Ertz. Yep. So he thinks he's the third. Yeah. Right, so now he thinks he's the third best tight end in the league, yeah. Do you have any <laughs> final thoughts, Jimmy? Uh, be well, everyone. Stay home. Uh, I like these, uh, these uh, you know, messages that are that are that people are putting out. Like mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're reminiscent to me of like the like the it'll get better messages, but like pe- but instead, like people are like, stay home. You just need to stay home. <laughs> Everything will be fine. <laughs> like Carson Wentz did one. Uh, I didn't watch the yeah. whole thing, but uh, I think Jason Kelsey did one. But uh, you see, like a lot of those. Kelsey's uh, is great. You have to watch that. Oh, is it okay? I'll take a look. Yeah, but, like there's a lot of those floating around. I think that's kind of like a, sort of a, a a new subset of uh, of tweets that that are, that are out there or videos that are out there. So maybe what maybe we maybe we should do one in, in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Stay home. But, Listen but, to BGN but, Radio. But the, mes- but the message is is true. Like we're we're not getting very good information from yes sources that we should be getting them from. So at least if, um, you know, other others can step up and, and sort of spread the message to just put off human interaction for you know, face-to-face human interaction for a little while. Just stay yeah. home, get some things done. Hearts go out, of course, as we mentioned uh, at the start of the show, to those of you who are uh, affected, you know, not just by being infected or family members being infected, but beyond that, just, you know, your work situation is being all screwed up by, by this you know, basically, you know, what is basically a disaster. Um, again, Brandon and I are, are sort of uh, uh, not, not affected by that as much as other people are. 
So hearts go out to you guys. Um, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, a lot, a lot of the information out there isn't great. So uh, I would urge everyone to, to stay home and, and not have any interaction until this uh, kind of subsides. Stay home. Listen to BGN Radio. Read BleedingGreenNation.com. Read PhillyVoice.com. Uh, we will be here for you as always. And follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Follow my follow me, not myself. Follow me. Someone corrected me on that. On Twitter at Brandon Young. Follow BGN Radio on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. We will have more coverage for you this week. I'm sure we'll see more Eagles activity throughout the week uh, in terms of signings, trades, who knows, whatnot. And we will be here. For you to break it down right here on BGN Radio. So make sure you subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. We will talk to you next time. Goodbye, BGN. More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all in one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.